Welcome to the Incluvi Movie Podcast, where we talk about all things media and diversity. I'm Matthew Stiuso. And I'm Dara Eleazar. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing Raya and the Last Dragon, the brand new Disney princess movie starring Kelly Marie Tran as Raya, Disney's first Southeast Asian princess. We will also be joined later by Nan Koromoto, who will share her thoughts on Raya and the Last Dragon and Asian representation in media. But before that, we're going to get into our pop culture moment and talk about what's new and trending in entertainment. This week, A24 dropped the trailer for the new film Zola, based on an iconic Twitter thread tweeted by Asia Zola King. The film features a wide range of diversity in front of and behind the camera, including director Janitza Bravo and featuring transgender activist and icon T.S. Madison. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do, and I'm glad that Zola was included in the making of everything and very hands-on with the story and all the different production aspects. But in other news, the new Space Jam sequel starring LeBron James just released his trailer, and I do think it's pretty cool that like a new generation can get introduced in some of the Warner Brothers characters and like it could be really fun but personally i just feel like we don't really need this but you know we we can see how it plays out once it releases yeah there'll be a space jam 2 episode <laughs> of course <laughs> but as of right now that's all i have so i think it's time we get into our main topic for today which is ryan the last dragon Raya and the Last Dragon tells the story of Raya, a warrior princess determined to find Sisu, a legendary dragon, and use the dragon's power to unite her people and save her father. Raya was directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada and features Disney's first Southeast Asian princess. Raya also features a talented cast of actors of Asian descent, including Gemma Chan, Aquafina, Sandra Oh, Benedict Wong, and Daniel Day Kim. Before we get into our interview, we're going to share our initial thoughts on the movie. So, Dara, what were your thoughts? I thought it was good. The visuals were beautiful. I thought the story was cute. And I really did like the characters. I did want to see more of their interactions, to be honest, though. I just felt like the story could have been tighter. I don't know, like maybe fleshed out a bit more. Like there could have been more to it, some more obstacles and such. And while I did like the message of like trust and having faith... I did kind of think there could have been more layers that could have been explored and like why in particular it was so hard to have faith or trust. But I do think overall it was really good. Yeah, right off the bat, I'd say I like the movie overall. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kelly Marie Tran and I feel like she got such a raw deal after Star Wars because the fans just did not like her character and it really wasn't her fault, but they took it Mm -hmm. out on her anyway. And... I feel like Disney was like, you know what? This is going to be her chance to shine. So I really appreciate Mm -hmm. them giving her this opportunity. And she also has the talent to back it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And the world's, the world building in this movie, I thought was really fantastic. The different tribes of Kamandra, the animation was amazing. I mean, you know, production value is never going to be a problem with Disney. Um, (laughs) And just seeing Raya as like a warrior princess with this, really amazing budget. I, I felt like the Disney magic was really there, but I do agree that there were some moments where I was sort of feeling almost old watching it. Cause I was like, this movie's for kids, isn't it? 
And I only point that out because I feel like a lot of other past Disney animated films like Frozen and Moana were able to be enjoyed by all ages, you know, to be enjoyed by the kids and the parents taking them to to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and just story-wise, I felt like there was a few elements in this that were a bit too easy, and I think maybe the movie could have benefited from more time. Um, and I wish... Mm-hmm. You know, they only have the amount of time. They're not going to make a three-hour <laughs> kids movie. Right. Um, not the Rhea Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah, release <laughs> the Raya cut. Um, yeah, there was a... I wish they'd gone farther at a few points. I think that... I think that the Disney movies that have really stuck out to us and withstood the test of time are the ones that aren't afraid to make the tough calls. Like, you know, Mufasa dying in The Lion King is such an iconic thing for all of us because it it had so much weight to it, but Raya and, you know, I remember recently frozen two had these moments where they tried to convince you a character is going to die. And it never felt like for like a second that that was actually going to happen. Right. Whereas other movies in the past, even recently Moana or Coco actually went there. Mm-hmm. And I think kids are mature enough to handle more serious stories. And I don't think we should underestimate what kids can understand. Right. I can definitely see that point, and I do think that a lot of things came way too easy. Like, I really did enjoy the story, the background, all the different tribes associated with Kumandra, Mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot more could have played, a lot more of that could have played a part in the storyline, like, more of the background of each tribe, and just, like, really setting an atmosphere and obstacle for each gem piece, um, and that was, like, definitely in there, like, when they showed, like, Sizu trusting too easily and ending up endangering yeah. them. But I did feel like that was all resolved too quickly and nothing really came of it. So it felt like, you know, they really could have really played around with the audience and put us in a little bit more distress, I think. <laughs> and like you said, I was never really worried that they were in any real danger, like, that the mission was going to fail, um, but I can also feel like it was fun and kind of just going along with them for the ride because it was like an optimistic type journey. Yeah. And like I said, I love the characters and even like Sizu as just this fun, positive entity who was like going against what was expected of her. Um, it was really nice to see in the story, like the dragons had faith in her from the beginning, which allowed her to have confidence in herself and I think there's just so much more stuff that could have been explored and can be explored. Definitely could be a cool sequel or like a series attached to it. Yeah, there's a lot of series potential with the world of Kamandra. Mm-hmm. And I I also was on board with the messaging of the movie. I thought it was a little on the nose, but like I said, they only have so much time to accomplish things. I felt like it was really admirable that the film was about learning to trust people and having faith in other people because... As I was watching it, I was like, oh, come on, you can't actually trust people. And then I realized, well, maybe I I need to watch a movie like this to sort of not be so jaded and learn how to change my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. And I thought that Raya Raya was a really and I thought that Raya was a really just great character overall as a protagonist. I felt like a lot of times I was totally on her side or I could see her perspective. Um, especially the dynamic between Raya and Namari. I think that was probably my favorite part of the movie, point blank. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had a Disney movie with like two rival warrior princesses like this before. And they were each so powerful and each had a justified cause. And both of their perspectives 
were actually noble and it wasn't as simple as saying, oh, Rai is the hero, Namari is the villain, because Namari was fighting for her people and I understood why she was doing what she was doing. I like the messaging too, like trust within reason, but mm-hmm. I did feel like story-wise it would have made more sense for Raya to be even more jaded than she ended up being. Like she had such a strong bond with her dad and to just have him turn to stone like he did would have probably made her more closed off. Like, yeah, she was hopeful and she had a mission to undo everything and resave the world. But I just feel like it didn't take much for her to really, you know, overcome distrust or anything like that. So like her and Sizu weren't really juxtaposed. Mm-hmm. But I still got what I needed from the story regardless. And I think a lot of people will be able to get a lot out of it. I really did um, also like the fact that there were the two rival princesses, too. It was really interesting to see. Um, I wish they even had more smoke for each other because, <laughs> like, I liked the rivalry. I liked the frenemy chemistry. Yeah. I know there was some talk about the characters being gay and a lot of subtext that even Kelly said that um, Raya was someone in the LGBT community. But there wasn't anything explicit in there. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to get into like prescribing things to characters that just wasn't in there. And I'm just going to kind of enjoy the dynamic for what it is. Uh, the dynamic between Raya and Namari and Raya and her father were definitely the two strongest uh, relationships in the movie. And I think it kind of goes to show that the characters, specifically Raya, were the heart of the story. Even though mm-hmm. there was a lot of characters and they only really had a little bit of time to have a moment. I really liked the baby with the monkeys. I thought they were cute and silly. Mm-hmm. I thought Sisu was yes. just kind of like a ray of light. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and Tong. And of course my favorite was Tuk Tuk because no Disney movie is complete without a good animal companion. And I just thought Tuk Tuk was very cute and a very kind of cool creature that they came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, I think I'm just glad that Raya was, such an active character. She was forming this team and she was, you know, taking the steps and striking out on her own rather than being passive. Like some of the Disney princesses that maybe we grew up with. Mm -hmm. I did also think that maybe it would be valid to have Raya have a romantic interest as well. I think there's sort of this pushback to say that, Oh, you know, not all princesses need a romantic interest to define them. But I think it's, Mm-hmm. Kind of important for young girls, especially young Asian girls, to see that they can be strong, you know, warriors and also have a soft romantic side at the same time. They can be well-rounded. And, I mean, Namari was kind of right there as the love interest, potentially, based on sort of dynamics that we've seen in other movies of enemies to romantic lead or enemies to, you know, lovers um mm-hmm. right i can definitely see that and i think it could have been a great thing to actually commit to yeah. if they wanted to go there <laughs> um but those have been our initial impressions of the film after a quick break non kuramoto will be joining us to share her thoughts on the film and representation in media We all could use a little bit more time in our days, so why not save yourself a trip to the grocery store? With Instacart, you're able to shop from your favorite retailers and have all of the ingredients you need for dinner, your favorite movie night snacks, and much more 
delivered to you in as fast as two hours. Everything is carefully hand-selected by a personal shopper based on your preferences. And now with contactless delivery, your order will be safely left at your doorstep. To get free delivery on your first order over $35, follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know we sent you and help support the show. Instacart. Never step foot in a grocery store again. So now we're excited to welcome our first guest to the Incluvi Movie Podcast. Her name is Nan Koromoto, and she is an entertainer, an icon, and a fan <laughs> of arts. She's going to be sharing some of her insight on the movie Raya and the Last Dragon, as well as her experience as an Asian American queer woman in the entertainment industry. So let's give a warm round of applause to Nan. Hello. Uh, thank you. <laughs> For having me, I'm honored to be the first guest on the Incluvi podcast. I will say that when you said I am a fan of the arts, it does sound like I am a consumer, but I am also a doer. <laughs> so uh, that's just something I wanted to clarify. Um, so yeah, oh. <laughs> um, my name is Nan Kuramoto. I am a doer of arts. I identify as an icon and also as a jester. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) most people know me as a comedian, but I think I'm a jester because I tell truth wrapped in glittery wrapping paper. That's fun for you to open. Uh, So (laughs) I respect that. I respect that. Thank you. Um, We'd love to start by asking you more generally about what diversity in media means to you. Mm. That is very loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a lot. (laughs) What does diversity in media mean to me? Um, You know, something that I have been thinking a lot about recently is that a lot of the times when we talk about social justice, racial justice, um, like empowering black indigenous people of color it like tends to center media or like representation in media where like we're all like yes a movie about asian people came out so we all win Uh, (laughs) and and part of me is just like "Mm, that's just that's that's not it you know there's so much more about the movement that we kind of need to pay attention to so i have definitely been having more thoughts about like okay it's really cool to celebrate these wins but like is there a way to use these moments to further um educate or i don't know bring attention to other parts of the movement you know so today's topic of discussion we've been talking about riot and the last dragon and sort of similar to your point it's one of the first really major moments for representation specifically for Southeast Asian people um, from Mm -hmm. Disney, which obviously whenever Disney makes something, it's impossible to ignore it. So I just kind of want to get some of your thoughts on what you liked about Raya, what you disliked about Raya. If there was any major revelations that you had while watching it. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm going to have to start by saying that I was disappointed by it you know especially because it had so much hype surrounding it and (laughs) at first when I was watching it and 
feeling weird about it, I was kind of like, am I just too old now? Am I just so jaded <laughs> by having been in entertainment that I can't enjoy things without tearing it apart? And then it hit me that there were no musical numbers. And for a Disney princess movie to not have a musical number is a crime. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. It's it's just wrong. It's amoral. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you create a piece of like that's a part of Disney princess lexicon where we will not be sick of hearing children scream the songs of for months. That's how we know that the story had relevance. You know, that kids, like that this story really hit the kids where it needs to. I still sing reflection from Mulan while crying in the shower in my moments of weakness. You know, like that's how much music in those movies have impact. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Raya could be someone that a lot of people aspire to be, even people who are not Southeast Asian. If they're like, oh, my God, I love her. I love her. Her singing and everything about her is like super magical and, and draws you in. I mean, yeah, the songs are like a part of what draws people in and makes it relatable. You can sing along and like it's a big marketing tool, too. So, I mean, they really fumbled with that one. But. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I and. There was just so much potential for uh, incorporating Southeast Asian music. I was talking with one of my friends who babysits. And when I told her that there was no music in Raya, she was like, oh, my gosh, the kids I babysit, they're going to be <laughs> mad <laughs> because, you know, and yeah, like they're going to want to watch Frozen again. Uh, and, you know, I am not. Southeast Asian, I am an East Asian Japanese person, so I can't really speak on the accuracy of cultural representation and that kind of stuff. You still could have been cast in the movie, though. I still could have, and I (laughs) would have felt uncomfortable about it. Um, Which, okay, so this is, it's kind of a tangent, but I have been thinking about how people in positions to get offers from like Disney or a big gig, I think more of them need to have the courage to be like, this isn't for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. To just be like, well, of course everybody wants to be in a Disney princess movie. Like, yeah, that's going to make them super rich and super famous. But then to be like, but is it at the expense of culture? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Especially when it seems like Disney is choosing from the same pool of 10 to yes. 15 Asian actors yeah. to sort of play vaguely whatever specific Asian identity they need to. Um, exactly. You know, Aquafina is, is over there. She's over <laughs> here. She's a dragon. She's in Shang-Chi. She- <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, like, also, because the movie itself, like in its art depicted darker skinned Southeast Asian 
characters, it was really disappointing to see that everybody, or at least the main characters, uh, voice actors were light-skinned Asian people. Mm-hmm. And I just know that Disney has the funds <laughs> to do a star search. Also the funds <laughs> to get a composer. They... <laughs> they... They have, have the resources. They have I mean, the resources. And they've done the... And they've shown that they have been able to do it before. You have Moana yeah. where they did a star search where they had Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is extremely of the moment, extremely marketable doing the music. Yes. It just... There's a lot more care that could have been put into it that I just feel like they... I don't know. I think they thought... A lot, they, a lot more could have been done. <laughs> totally. Um, was there anything that you liked about the movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It, it, was, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. The graphics... The design okay. was really like, yeah, I was just like, nice. But then it also <laughs> further annoyed me because it was proof that they had the funds to pull it off. <laughs> I was like, mm. oh, so you did have the budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had the budget to pay people. Uh, and And like, okay, I will say that even though I felt that not like so much of the action in the movie felt really unearned and spoon fed. So I was just like, wow, everything is so easy. I, it's hard for me to get emotionally invested in the, in this movie and their characters, but I'll say there was no prince. <laughs> Raya, Raya did it on her own. She had, she made <laughs> friends throughout. Did she make, did she make human friends? She because did make I feel like Disney friends. princesses statistically don't make a lot of non-animal friends. Yeah, so in a rare turn, she did cool. make about five human friends. Oh my god. Some babies, some children. Yes, a baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of that. A squirrel, a dove. <laughs> well, now we've gotten to the segment of our podcast where we're going to score the movie. We are each going to give our own scores based on a five-star system. One score will judge the cinematic quality of the movie, while the other, the Incluvi score, will judge the quality of the representation in the film. So, Nan, how would you rate it? Film rating-wise? Yeah, out of five stars, <laughs> yeah. how would you rate I this would movie? say, like, two and a half stars. <laughs> I don't know. I can be kind of a mean critic. <laughs> um, it's, you know, a neutral... You, yeah, yeah, exactly. I just and and of course there's this whole other conversation to be had about do we hold uh non-white stories to a way too high of a standard because we want it to be the pinnacle of everything. But I think right. in this case it didn't even hit the minimum of a Disney <laughs> princess movie, which is to have dope musical numbers, so I don't think I'm being that cruel. In giving that's, no, that's fair. Prize. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on the Incluvi diversity scale, I think three and a half is awkward but well intentioned, <laughs> which I think that seems sums like a pretty good the, yeah. the experience of the whole movie. Yeah. Overall, I would give Raya a cinema score of three and a half stars. 
Although the plot was maybe a little formulaic at times, I think the animation and the world building and the characters really carried. And I would be very happy to see the world of Kamandra explored more. I would give Raya three and a half stars for awkward but well-intentioned inclusion. Raya is definitely a character who can be very aspirational for many young women, especially Asian women. And even though having an entire cast of Asian descent is an amazing feat, because there was such an emphasis on Kamandra being based off of Southeast Asia, it would have been great if the cast was of Southeast Asian descent, ultimately. Something really underrated that I haven't heard much chatter about is Patty Harrison, a comedian who I'm a huge fan of, becoming the first transgender actor in a Disney film. She was a minor character, but hopefully moving forward, we will see more and more trans representation on and off screen at Disney. I'd say I think the film was good, and it's something that kids would really enjoy and take a lot from. But I did think Disney could have done a little more to create mm-hmm. magic around it. And I agree with Nan. <laughs> I think music could have really benefited and helped the marketing. Like, you definitely don't need music for a Disney film um, or technically a Disney princess film because, like, Merida didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were robbed of a bop about trust issues. <laughs> like, I think it would have made it feel, it would have just really fit. Um, and it would have like fit in with the other girlies in like the princess franchise. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think I would recommend it for people to watch and like have fun with. I'd give it like a three, three stars. In terms of diversity, my Incluvi score basically is what we talked about. I think the story could have been handled with a bit more care in terms of the, the authenticity of casting and cultural representations in the film. Um, I think there's a lot here, though, that can be celebrated, and it's still important and awesome to have a story that, you know, centers around Southeast Asian people. And, you know, seeing that reflected within the animation was great, so I would give it an Incluvi 3.5 stars for that. Did you have even a glimmer of a moment where you were like, I just can't believe we're finally seeing representation like this, or was it just so kind of consistently like, ugh? This could have been so much better. Yes, because every time I was like, oh, this moment could be good. It wasn't. (laughs) And I think that is what kept bringing me back to this feeling of disappointment. Because I was like, oh, here's a moment where they could have dug deeper into this relationship. Or I don't know. It was just like, yeah, she made non-animal friends, but... They just spent so much time meeting people that they never Mm -hmm. went into the relationships between the people. Yeah. The villain was not a villain. It was lukewarm. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been more dramatic. I don't. Yeah. I need more drama. Like, (laughs) please. Yeah, seriously. Well, let's talk about what you're up to. Yeah. What are you up to in terms of your projects that you're working on, your comedy? Where can we find you? Right now, I am about to start hosting a clubhouse room on the club All Asian Comedy that's called This Week in Feeling Good. It's going to be at Wednesdays around 10. Uh, Like I said earlier um, in this segment, I am trying to find more ways to center pleasure and joy. So it's just going to be a space where people can pop in and talk about what made them feel good this week. 
if you follow me on Instagram, which is at Nyanchate, N-Y-A-N-C-H-A-T-T-E, or Twitter, non of your business. If you Google non Kuramoto, <laughs> my full name, there are no other people with the same name. So you will find all my information. <laughs> but you can keep up with what I'm up to on those platforms. Seriously, stay booked, stay busy, honestly. Yay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We are very excited to be introducing guests to the podcast, and you are pretty much always welcome here, actually. This was great. Yeah, no, you're a great guest. Thank you. (laughs) The Incluvia Movie Podcast is hosted by Dara Eleazar and me, Matthew Stiuso. Our show is produced and edited by Hazel Boulevard. Our executive producer is Kathy Yee. Our theme music is made by Waterboy. Special thanks goes to Nan Koromoto for joining us this week. You can visit Incluvi.com to rate movies on their diversity and read reviews to focus on representation in media. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Incluvi. That's I-N-C-L-U-V-I-E. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to join us in two weeks when we will be discussing Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. See you all then. Thank you.